Good evening. How do you say it? Good evening. Oh, is it get ready, get ready, get ready? T D W. Father, thank you, Lord, for another day, Lord, that um you give us grace, Lord, you load us daily with benefits and and still sometimes we don't even understand why. And so Lord um it's your infinite love for us, your wisdom, your grace, your kindness, it's truth. And Lord, you love us, Lord. And so, Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for lavishing us with your kindness, your goodness. We know you care for us, Lord. And so, Father, speak to us tonight, Lord. We love when you speak to us through your word, Lord. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. And is settled in heaven and it makes wise the simple. And the entirety of your word is truth. And so, Father, your word is, Lord, more than what we, we could ever need. It's, it's just right for every situation in our life. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, great peace have those who keep your law. Lord, thank you. And nothing causes us to stumble because of your word. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a Bible-believing, reading Study in church, Lord, that we believe that the word is alive and active than to any, sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And it can be alive in our life, Lord. And so let's speak to us, Lord. We love you, Lord. Make this passage, this chapter, this text, make it come alive. And as David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 9. As we look at this chapter, this ninth chapter, a lot of prophecy is going to be fulfilled before our very eyes in, the, in these pages. And so it's just not words. You know, you read the Bible sometime and you look at these stories in the Bible. You say, oh, these are really good stories. No, no, no. This is the written word of God, inspired by God. The word of God comes from heaven. Holy men of God, as they were moved by the Spirit, wrote the scriptures. They didn't, they didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I think I want to write a novel called the Book of Kings. Don't work like that. God moved them as they wrote the scriptures. And this is, you know, the word of God. And, and look, if you should have a Bible tonight. You got a Bible? You should have a Bible. And you should read your Bible. And you should know your Bible. And you should love your Bible, and you should have it with you wherever you go. And here Jehu is being introduced to us. He's um, being anointed king of Israel. Remember what God instructed the prophet Elijah. Not Elisha. We've been going through the life of Elisha. But Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter you know, 19, verse 16, when Eli, you know, Elijah was, had a pity party. I'm the only one that didn't bow down to Baal and so forth. God said, no, I have 7,000 that didn't bow down to need to Baal. In fact, you're fired, buddy. <laughs> you're done. Your ministry is over. And he says, you shall anoint Jehu. And in 1 Kings 19.16, Elijah, you know, was told by God, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshai, as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, 
of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint his prophet. And God said, told Elijah, in your place, <laughs> he's going to take your place. Imagine God telling you, you can play, oh Lord, he said, oh really? Okay, anoint the next God is going to take your place. So it was Elijah, Elisha, and then he says, and it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, which was the king of Syria, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. That's what he told Elijah the prophet, the great prophet that was taken up in a whirlwind, you know, chariots of fire and horses. That Elijah, God told him that years before this happened, sometime before this happened. So this was the king mentioned by God before either Hazael or Jehu was kings. God called them. They're going to be kings. They're going to be in power before they even knew they came to power. It was a remarkable prophecy that's going to be fulfilled in this particular chapter. And now God raises up a man by the name of Jehu. You know, his name is Jehu. He's Jehovah is he. That's what his name means. He's the 11th king of the northern kingdom, Jehu, you know, of the northern kingdom. He's going to be an instrument of God, but he's never going to really follow God. God is going to use him for what God wants to use him for. Like somebody could be an instrument of God that never know God. They could be an instrument like King Cyrus. When you read Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28, and Isaiah 45, 1, he was anointed, but anointed not, not that he knew the God of Israel. He was anointed to fulfill God's purpose. He wasn't a believer. So when, it, when, it, when people see in the Bible that God anointed them, that doesn't mean that they believed in the God of Israel. That meant that God, in some cases, at least three times in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar was called my servant. God called him my servant, my servant. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar did come to know the Lord, but God called him my servant. And here this man is going to be called up, used up by God for a particular purpose. Don't get them mixed up with Jehu the prophet, because it was another Jehu in 1 Kings chapter 16, 1 through 12. And he's also mentioned in 2 Chronicles 19. Two, that's Jehu too. So it's about four guys in the Bible named Jehu. But this is Jehu. This is the Jehu that we know of. And this Jehu becomes king and would have a powerful dynasty that would last up to a hundred years. A hundred years. He would reign, him himself would reign for about 28 years from A.D. 41 to about A.D. Um, AD 13 B.C. I mean, I'm, I'm not A.D., but... 841 B.C. to 813 B.C., he would reign and be king, and he's not, a, he's not a believer of God. So when you read this, don't think like, oh, this guy must have really loved the Lord. The Lord used him. No, he's not a, he's not a believer of God. He, don't know. he doesn't believe in the God of Israel. He believes some things about him, but God raises him up. And why did God raise him up? God raises this particular man, Jehu, to execute judgment on the house of who? Ahab. Ahab, the husband of Jezebel. He's gone now, but his sons are still alive. And by the way, while all of this is still going on in this chapter, Jezebel is still alive. So she still has influence over the nation. 
She was Seraphonation. She, was, she, had, she worshipped Baal. Baal was the god of choice. She still had influence over the nation behind the scene. The woman with the makeup on, Jezebel. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 9, And Elisha, the prophet, called one of the sons of the prophets, this, he probably went to the school of prophets, and said to him, Get yourself ready, take this flax, it's more like it's a cruise of oil in your hand, and go to Ramoth Gilead. Ramoth Gilead was the one of the chief cities, the chief city of Gad. It was a city ascribed to the Levites, a refuge city. You know, you read 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 13, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 4. It was a refuge city. In some cases in the Bible, it was just called Ramoth. Because when you read like Deuteronomy 4.24, you read Joshua chapter 20, verse 8, when it says Ramoth, it's still the same place. It's Ramoth Gilead, which means heights of Gilead. That's what it means. 24 times it's mentioned in the Bible. So Ramoth Gilead is where he's headed. And Elijah tells this servant of his, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son, notice this, of Jehoshaphat, and the son of Nimshai, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Now, this is not to be confused with Jehoshaphat, the king in the southern kingdom of Judah. This is not the same Jehoshaphat. Because we know at this particular time, Jehoshaphat, he's gone. He, you know, his father's name was Asa. He's gone. He was buried with his father. By this time, Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, 1, verse 1, he's gone. So we know that Jehoshaphat is not, he's not talking about the king Jehoshaphat. He's talking about another Jehoshaphat. This is the son, you know, of Nimshai, and this is the father of Jehu. So Nimshai is his grandfather. Jehoshaphat is Jehu's father. So his name is Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, which is a really weird name. Don't name your hit kids Nimshai. Back in the Old Testament, in the law of Moses, they had clean animals and unclean animals. When you read Leviticus chapter 11, verse 29, the weasel was an unclean animal. Nimshai means weasel. So if you call your kid Nimshai, say, get over here, you little weasel. This was his grandfather's name. And here this, he says, when you go in, rise up, you know, make him rise up among his associates and take him in the inner room. So this seemed to be like a private ordination or investor. You know, something that's going on here that's going to take place. But he's going to go in there. He's going to see Jehu sitting there. He says, hey, yo, can I talk to you for a minute, buddy? Hey, come on. Take him in the back room. Pour this Oreo on him. And then he's going to just run out gone. This is what's going to happen. Look, look, pay attention. Verse 3. Elijah tells him what to do and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to the inner room. Then take the flax of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king of Israel, just like Elijah said it would happen. Or God told Elijah it would happen. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. He says, get out of here. 
Because he see, go right back. If you read back, it says, get yourself ready. This is what Elijah tells his servant. Take this flax of oil in your hand and go, to, go up to Ramoth Gilead. Now, when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him in an inner room. Then you take this oil, pour it on his head, and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king of Israel. Then open the doors and flee, and do not delay. So after you anoint this guy, don't wait around, just run. I don't know if I would have liked that assignment. And it was specific what he was called to do, because if you read Second Chronicles chapter 22, and you can underline it, or write it down. Second Chronicles 22, verse 7, at the end of that verse, it says that Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had appointed, has anointed, rather, to cut off the house of Ahab. That's what he was called to do. Imagine that should call it. What should call it? To kill everybody in the house of Ahab. <laughs> and then verse 4 says, so the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he says, I have a message. You know, I like the e, um, ESV says, the English Standard Version of the Bible says, I have a word. I like that. I have a word. I have a message for you, commander. He may have been the commander of the chariots in the army of Ahab when Ahab was living. You, commander, Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. Then he arose and went, in, went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head, on Jehu's head, and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. There's two things you need to pay attention to. The people of the Lord people of Israel. Israel was supposed to be a nation that was governed by God. It was never supposed to be um, some type of monarchy or some type of you needed a, a, some other government in place. It was supposed to be a, the, a theocracy where God was the one that was supposed to rule the nation of Israel. It wasn't supposed to be a man that would rule Israel. Israel wanted a king like all the other nations in the book of Samuel, and it grieved God, and it grieved Samuel, that they wanted a king. They were never supposed to have a human king. Whenever you have a human king, you can rest assured you will get human results. And whenever king rules a person's heart, that's the king they bow down to. If it's the king of the flesh, bow down to the flesh. If the king of money, you bow down to money. If the king of material wealth, if it's the king of your beauty, you know, you know, if it's the king of glory, your life becomes a prize to you. And it says, Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jehovah Yahweh, that's the national name for the God of Israel. Whenever you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Bible, that's Jehovah, the God of Israel. Because they didn't know God's name. Moses, remember when Moses was at the burning bush, he says, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am who I am. 
So they described God by his attributes. They didn't know his name. They would call him Jehovah Nissi or Jehovah Tiskanu, God is my righteous, Jehovah, you know, Megan, Jehovah Selai, you know, all these different names they would add. El Elyon, the most high God, Adonai, the master supreme God. You know, they would call El, El Shaddai. They had names for him that they described as attributes. They didn't know God like we think they knew God. A Jewish person would never write God's name. They would never write that in the Bible. They would, they would just skip it. It was so sacred and so holy, they wouldn't even put it in their mouth in such a way. They would describe his attributes. And here he gets anointed to be king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. And he says, you shall strike down, this is your assignment since you're anointed. You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood, notice, of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Remember that woman he married? Both Ahab and his wife Jezebel, you know, they were murderers. They were murderers. Had the prophets of the Lord killed? Remember Obadiah, you know, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 13, he hit some of the prophets. And, you know, they had them murdered. There was no place in Israel for murderers. Jezebel and, you know, and Ahab, they were so wicked that they violated the word of God. They didn't care anything about the word of God. They could care less about the word of God. And they ran the nation. The king was supposed to take the book of the law and know it. Deuteronomy, you know, 17, they should know the law. He violated every law he could think of. In fact, he was a murderer in the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter you know, 24, verse 17. It says, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. He was a murderer. And you read about all those, the laws about, you know, manslayer and somebody that didn't mean to kill anybody. But when you read Numbers 35, it's real interesting what it says. It says, and these things shall be a stature of judgment. To you throughout all your throughout your generation in all your dwellings, whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. But one witness is not sufficient, is not sufficient, a sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. So you have to have witnesses. The whole nation knew that they were murderers. The whole nation knew that Jezebel and Ahab was murderers. Did you know, can you understand it? They ran the country and they were murderers. The entire nation was under the sway of two godless people. And any nation that is ran by godless people, that nation will always be opposing to the word of God. And that nation would never know God's ways and never know the goodness of God and will walk away from the things of God. And ultimately that nation would become Worthless in the eyes of God. Don't we live in the United States of America? You think they want the Bible to be the book? Well, this is a Christian nation. This is not a Christian nation. This is a nation where Christians can worship the Lord freely to some degree. This is not a Christian nation. So don't ever believe that. Because you have a lot of people saying, oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, you mess with me, I'm spiritual. Yeah. 
I'm very spiritual. Mm. Well, what kind of spirituality is it? Well, I just look. I just, I believe. I have my own beliefs, but I'm spiritual. This is the world we live in. We live in a nation where everybody does what's right in their own eyes, and yet they do, they do evil in the sight of the Lord. Don't even know it. You know, sin could be so permeated in the culture that it's no longer called sin. You realize that it's no longer called sin if a man cheat on his wife. That's no longer called sin if a girl have a baby out of wetlock. That's not sin anymore. To the world standard. These things now, what we call, you know, they, it's just an affair. They had, they, you know, come on, you suck it up. It's not a big deal. That's sin. Lying. Well, no, they, oh, come on, man, they got in a tough spot. They had to do what they had to do. No, they told a lie when they were in a tough spot. And when a nation is ran by evil, when everything goes in the nation, everything will go. You got to know that. We're not living in a world where people say, oh, please give us more Christians. Oh, we would love to have this place to be. Because some Christians believe that they should have a, a Christian job, a Christian car. You know, everything good Christian. You know, I'm like, oh, what a world you don't live. This is earth. What are you talking about? Christian soda bottle. Everything got, you know, I'm like, what? It's interesting. Godless nation. Verse 8, for the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab, notice, like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasher, the son of Ahijah. These were all evil kings too, where they were so evil. Look, you know, for, for you are a God who takes no pleasure in wickedness. God don't take pleasure in wickedness. Shall evil dwell with him? No, absolutely not. He takes no pleasure with evil. It says the dogs, notice, the dogs shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. Notice, and an open, and he opened the door and fled. This is what this, this young prophet told him. He said, look, these are the things that you're supposed to kill everybody in Ahab's house, and Jezebel, she's going to die, and the dog's going to just, you know, lick up her blood. And, you know, she's just, and, and the dog shall eat her on the plot of ground in Jezreel. And he's, he's giving them a prophecy. This is going to happen to Ahab's house. This is going to happen to Jezebel and Elijah sent me to tell you this. Is that something? And afterwards, the servant of Elijah, what he does, flees, go, buy. Then Jehu came out, of the, out to his servants of his master. And one said to him, is all well? Because the God took him in this inner room to anoint him. He comes out. And he says, is all well? He says, why did this man, man, mad man come to you? Speaking of the servant of Elijah. And he said to them, you know the man and his, and, and his babble. Now, because Jehu at this point thinks that this is a prank or, or some type of joke done on him by his friends. This is what he's thinking. Like, come on, man, y'all guys, y'all playing a game with me. Y'all send this guy out here to talk about I'm anointed king. And, and he thinks it's a prank. I like pranks. You know, I do. I like to see him. My favorite one is when you see the tree, the guy like he's like a tree, and you walk by and you go, gotcha, and the people, ah, they fall. I, I like pranks. I think pranks are fun. 
<laughs> I like them, you know. I don't like what they've done to me, but I like them, you know. It says, and they said, a lie, tell us now. He's, so he said, thus and thus, he spoke to me saying, thus says the Lord, I've anointed you king of Israel. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on, on the top of the steps. And they blew trumpets saying, Jehu is king. <laughs> now at this point, when that trumpet blows, execution is going to start. You know, it's like us walking, we have the fragrance of Christ, it says. But to the world is the fragrance of judgment. You know, it was like in the Roman Empire when they would conquer a city or something. They would come and they would come and take the prisoners with them. And when they came back home, they would have this huge parade, this processional. And they would walk through the city and they would have all these roses and flowers. And to the Roman soldiers, when they walked through after they had defeated their enemy, it was like the most wonderful. I don't know if you like the smell of flowers. It was one of the greatest fragrant smells to the nose, you know. And it's just you could smell it. But those prisoners, when they smelled those roses, it meant death. It meant death. They didn't want to smell no roses. They was chained, going to the execution chamber, however, how they was going to be executed. So they're interested. Some things that smell good don't smell good for everybody. And they blow these trumpets. It's like almost judgment is coming. So Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, conspired against Joram. Now, Joram had been defending Ramoth Gilead, he and all of Israel, against Haziel, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had afflicted him on him when he fought with Haziel, um, king of Syria. This happened right in sec, you know, the last chapter, verse 26. And Jehu said... If you are so minded, let no one leave or escape from the city to go and tell it to, tell it in Jezreel. So Jehu is telling the men who are with him, keep the king's business quiet until he deals with Jerum. So, so Jerum, I mean, so Jehu, rather, verse 16, rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel. For Joram was laid up there, he had wounded and so forth. And Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see him, to see Joram. So he came to visit the king of the south. The king of the south came to visit the king of the north. He's wounded. He got wounded in the battle in 2 Kings 8.26. Now he comes down, and now Jehu is on the run. Here, you got to watch this. It says, now the watchman stood on the tower at Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, get a horseman and send them to meet them and let them say, is it peace? So the horseman went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, what have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. I guess he probably said, man, let me shut up. So the watchman, this is a, not the, the watchman who went out to meet Joram. This is a different one reported saying the messenger went to them but is not coming back then he sent out a second horseman and came and who came to them and said thus says the king is it peace 
And Jehu answered, what have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman report is saying he went up to them and is not coming back. And the driving, notice, and the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshai, for he drives ferociously or furiously. Could you imagine how this guy drove? Imagine he didn't have a sports car, but he drove his chariot like one. Yeah, you know some people drive real fast and don't even know it. Depends if I'm late, you know. I know um, some people driving, you'd like you just be holding on the side, you know. And this guy drove, he, he must have rode his horse like he was in the Kentucky Derby. Could you imagine, you know, you know and he's gone crazy, furiously. Then Joram said, make ready. Now, Joram thinks that he's going to hear good news about a victory. Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. Then Joram, king, he, now remember he's in the house of Ahab, Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot. And they went out to meet Jehu and meet him on the property, notice, of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Remember him? Jezebel had him killed. This is all strategic. Whatever man sows, he reaps. Now it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, is it peace? It's shalom. In the Hebrew, it's 236 times. It means completeness or soundness or as a word in the body. Or it means welfare, health or prosperity, quiet, tranquility, or contentment, friendship of human relationships. He says, is it peace, Jehu? And Jehu had the job of getting rid, of, getting rid of the wrong king. And whenever we get rid of the wrong king, peace comes. Because this is the wrong king on the throne of Israel. And his name is Joram. But Jehu has the job to get rid of this man. Isn't that something? And we can say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But whenever you got the wrong king, God's will is never living in your life. You know how you can quietly replace another king over the throne of your heart? Any of y'all play chess? And you can get the king? And they have another, you know, a checkmate, the king moves somebody out the way? Sometimes we do that. We take another king and say, hey, won't you be king today? Well, what is that? Whatever I want to do, I want this king today. I don't want the other king because I'm tired of being good. You ever been tired of being good? You think you've been good? You say, I'm just going to just look. Forget this. I've been good 17 days in a row. That's it. <laughs> Isn't that something? How we could be that way in our minds. Like, I've been good all this time, and I just took one drink, and everybody coming down on me. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? This is how Christians think. Like God has graded us on the curve. You do good two weeks and then, hey, you don't grade us like that. <laughs> That's interesting. It says, is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, what peace? Notice what he says. As long as the harlot trees of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. 
How can you have peace with wicked people? Isn't that something? Peace can only come when it's associated with righteousness and holiness. It doesn't come any other way. The man that schemes and plots discover, can't discover peace. Christ is our peace. You can't have peace if you're not connected with the Prince of Peace. Those who keep their minds stayed in him will be in perfect peace because they trust in him. You can't have peace apart from living a holy life and living a life that's walking in harmony with Jesus Christ. You will not have no peace. There is no peace with the wicked, says the Lord. Isaiah 57, 21, Isaiah 44, I mean 48, 22 rather, says the same exact thing. Ah, there is no peace with the wicked, says the Lord. If you see somebody always disturbed and they're always angry and they're always spazzing out, Peace can't rest in pride. Peace can't rest in rebellion. It can't rest in envy. It can't rest in strife or jealousy or arrogance. Peace don't rest there. That's not a place where peace can be found. And Joram couldn't have peace because he was living in total disobedience to God's word. You know what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 165? Great peace it's shalom. Grace, peace, have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. You see somebody who have peace? I guarantee they love the Lord, and they love his word. I guarantee, you know, some people say, well, I'm struggling, and, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And, you know, everything is falling apart in my life, and I don't even understand why. I don't know how this, how did this happen to me? Why me? Peace. I guarantee you, look, Paul says this. Here's the remedy for peace. Be anxious for nothing. And it means not one single thing, nothing at all. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. In fact, he starts off, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Not one little thing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making your requests known. And the peace, irony is the Greek word, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will garrison about, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And most people don't have peace because they're not connected with the prince of peace. If you never have peace, the source of your peace is your communion with Christ. He is our peace, Ephesians 2.14. He is our peace. And if you don't have that peace, you're probably meditating on the wrong stuff all day. You know, Paul says, finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, is there anything, any virtue or anything praiseworthy? Meditate on these things, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, I've never had peace. Well, because you're not in fellowship with the Lord. That's why. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. He says, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Rest is another word synonymous with peace. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. People don't have peace because they got their own expect expectations of who God is. 
People think God should do everything the way they want it. That's what most people think. He should do it every way I want it. If something happened the way I don't like it, you know, and then they lose their peace because they think God should do everything the way they want, that he want, that they want them to do it. It don't happen that way. How many of y'all wish God did everything the way you wanted them to do it? Ray J, be honest. Yeah, most of us do, yeah. Most of us say, if he just did it this way for me, I don't want no trouble. No, I don't want it. I don't want nothing. <laughs> Lord, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want nothing. Lord, just give me an easy path. I don't want no diseases in my life. I don't want nothing to happen to me. You know, <laughs> Lord, please don't let nothing happen. We'd be praying, Lord, please don't let nothing happen to me, Lord. Nothing, Lord. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> and he said, really? <laughs> no, I'll show you how to get peace. Because when you're going through something, you can hear him say, peace, be still. In the storms of life, you can still hear him say, peace, be still. And you can understand it. You're supposed to go through stuff. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jerem could have never experienced true peace because the only peace he could find would be found in genuine, you know what? Repentance. You got a heavy heart because you're living in sin? You know what repentance does? It sort of breaks that yoke of disturbance and God gives you peace. Isn't that something? It says in verse 23, Then Joram turned around and fled and said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah. Now Jehu, notice, drew his bow with full strength and shot this Jerem. Jehoram, they call him Jehoram, him, but the same person, between his arms, and the arrow came out his heart. Man, that's a good shot. And he sank down in his chariot. Look, this is God's judgment on the house of Ahab. It may have taken longer than you think, but God's arrows never missed the target. <laughs> when he says, vengeance is mine, you better trust him with it. His arrows never missed. Look, that, that arrow could have hit the moon, hit a few cows, and it would have came, and it would have got him. <laughs> he wasn't going to miss. You know, it's almost similar with other man's souls he reaps. This is similar to, remember how Ahab died? Ahab died almost the same way. It says in 1 Kings, now a certain man drew, at random, a man drew his bow, at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And he died the same way, wounded. Jerem survived the battle against Haziel. And many times we misinterpret God's grace and long-suffering as giving us license to stay in sin a little bit longer. No, God's long-suffering, if you're in sin, God is say, you better stop now. Secret sin, he said, you better stop now. He said, well, I'm not doing nothing nobody know. Oh, really? You don't have to do nothing nobody know. You ever sinned by yourself? Most of the time we do. You think people look at porn in public? They don't get their phones. Hey, look, look, I'm looking. Look at this. It's always done in secret. 
Sin is always, you know, most people sin in secret, but it's manifested in their conduct. There's no peace in sin. Then Jehu said to Bidkar, I like that name, the servant of Kar, Bidkar, his captain, pick him up and throw him, notice, in the track of the field of Naboth, the Jezreelite. For remember, when you and I were riding together behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord laid this burden upon him. Remember, Jehu and, and, Bit, and Bitkar were apparently the noblemen who accompanied Ahab when Elijah told them that he was going to die. And they remembered how Ahab took Naboth's property. Saw it one day and went home and told his wife, you know, that I really wanted that garden. That was, that was a beautiful garden I saw today. Oh, my God. So when you married the wrong woman, they'll go along with all your nonsense. A good woman will never go along with your nonsense. They just won't go along with your nonsense. They won't agree. If you got a wife and she don't agree with everything you do, praise the Lord. Because there are many a man have fallen because they had a wife that went along with every crazy ideal they came up with. A many a men. And they, and they wonder, they say, she's getting on my nerves. And she probably said, no, I'm trying to save you, brother. And he goes, oh, honey, I wish I had that. And she said, well, what, what did they do to you, daddy? What did they do? You want that feel? i make you get it. <laughs> One of those kind of women, you know? Everything the man wants, he's trying to do, like, in, in a bad sense. Isn't that something? They remembered. It says, surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, says the Lord. Notice, this is the Lord speaking. And I will repay, King James says, requit, is, this, is the word shalam. It, it, it means to, um, to be in a covenant of peace or be at peace. I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now, therefore, take and throw him on the plot of ground according. This is why he got thrown into the plot of this ground. According to the word of the Lord. That's why this happened this way. It was according to the word of the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 21, you don't have to turn to this, I'll read it for you. Verse 13, it says, And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside of the city and stoned him with stones, so that he died. And they could, you know, and in, in verse 19 of 1 Kings chapter 21, it says, You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have murdered and also taken possession. And you, and you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. It's the word of the Lord. Whatever man sows, he reaps. And I for an eye... T for a tooth for a tooth. Imagine that. Do you think we would have crime in Philadelphia if you got crucified every time you shot somebody? Would it be crime in Philadelphia? Singapore. You can't sell drugs in Singapore if you got caught with weed. 
They don't say we're going to take you down to ask you why you have it. They shoot you on the spot. You think they got a weed problem in Singapore? <laughs> they don't have a weed problem. They don't have a weed problem at all. They don't even have drug anonymous there. Anonymous there. They don't have NA, none of that stuff there. Well, what about the NA meetings? There is no NA meetings in our country. There's no need to, because they don't sell there. You can't sell drugs, you can't use drugs there. Isn't that something? You know, it says, but when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he saw that, he saw that, um, you know, Joram was killed. He fled by the road to um, Beth Hagen. So Jair pursued him and, and said, shoot him also in the chariot. <laughs> and they shot him at the ascent of Ger, which is by Ablemium. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. You know, 2 Kings 22 gives us more detail about his, his death. He should have never been aligned with Joram in the first place. So now you got the king of the north and the king of the south all, you know, both killed on the same day. Isn't that something? And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem, and they buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. Now you got a different king. It says, now when Jehu had come to Jezreel, notice, Jezebel, she's back on the scene. And we didn't hear nothing from Jezebel in a long time. Jezebel heard of it, and she put pain on her eyes and adored her head and looked through the window. So she got her makeup on, Lord. You know, false eyelashes, the kind. Some of them come all the way out here, you know. I've seen some so long, you're like, whoa, where are those wings or eyelashes, you know. You know, so it's just, <laughs> she been paint on her eyes and adored her hair. She, you know, you know, it, it's amazing she's still alive. You know, some scholars believe that she was one of the most beautiful women in the world because she could get Ahab to do anything. She probably was beautiful, but beauty's only skin deep. Beauty and wicked. You know. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, is it peace? Notice what she called him, Zimri. Because in 1 Kings chapter 16, Zimri slain um, King um, Eli, and he also reigned in his place for seven, you know, for about seven years or so forth. So, Je so Jezebel saying that he, he wanted to kill me like Zimri. Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? That's what she's calling um, Jehu. And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two, I love this, or three eunuchs looked out at him. So he's looking up at the window, Jezebel's talking all this stuff, and these eunuchs is all up there too. And, and he says, well, who's on my side? And they know that he's king now, I'm sure. He says, who's on my side? And when they had gone in, notice, no, I mean, sorry, verse um, 33, rather. Then he said, throw her down, these two, these eunuchs. I like eunuchs in the Bible. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. 
with his chariot, you know, if it, with his charity, runs over. But now this, imagine like she falls and the horse going, you hear the horse going, you know, we used to play the cowboy games when we was kids. <laughs> Jezebel getting some cowboy stumping <laughs> from a horse. <laughs> the one that had Naboth killed, the one that kept the prophets killed. This, this woman influenced the husband for evil. She was the daughter of a king, a Seraphonation king. She believed in Baal worship. Remember Baal? They believed that he causes the rain and fertility and all this stuff. She believed all this stuff. She had such influence in the husband, she made, she converted him to an evil man. I helped him become one. It was already in him, but she added to it. And now she's like a nothing but crumbs. Isn't that something? And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Jehu. <laughs> then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. Now he's trying to give her some dignity, but it ain't going to happen because it's not in the word of God. God said she wouldn't be buried. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than her skull <laughs> and her feet in the palms of her hand. You, know, you just got a head. Could you imagine that? Some feet and just the middle of her hands like this. Everything else gone. The dogs had to, they ate it. They ate everything up. You know, y'all should be crying like poor Jezebel. Nobody's crying. Nobody even named their daughter Jezebel. Some names you don't really name your kids. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody named Jezebel. I mean, some people name their kids some names. You know that I wouldn't name her, but I wouldn't name my like child a whole Obama. You know. Or something like that, you know. But nobody I know named Jezebel. Any of y'all know anybody named Jezebel? No, I don't know anybody named Jezebel. So they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palm of her hands. Notice, therefore, they came back and told him, told Jehu, and he said, this is the word, he realized now, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by the servant Elijah, the Tishbite saying, on the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall, notice, eat the flesh of Jezebel. They just didn't like the way the palm of the hands taste and the feet taste and the skull. But they ate everything else. This happened according to the word of the Lord from, that was spoken by Elijah the Tishbite. We say, well, how in the world do we know that? When you go back to 1 Kings again, chapter 21, verse 23, it says that, and concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Jezebel appears to be, you know, out of the picture, in a sense, when we get through this, you know. But her influence was still living on. She had an influence on the nation. She was influencing the nation. You know, she was, you know, when Jehu said, well, wood peace, as long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel, and she also, we know this, believed in witchcraft. She believed in witchcraft. You got Christians running to the newspaper or getting online looking what their horoscope is for the day. 
Amen. And they think that, oh, well, what are you? I'm a, like the man said, oh, well, I'm a Sagittarius. And you know, the woman said, I'm a Sagittarius. Said, What's your husband's sign? He's a drunk and we're not compatible. Isn't that something? So we think when you look at these lives, and you say, when God executes judgment, look how long this was. Look how long this was. This was over and over again. Jezebel had time to repent. You think like, oh, man, God, he could have been judged Jezebel. He gave her time to repent. Ahab is gone. It's like after Ahab died, she said, I need to repent. I need to change. I need to change my ways. She didn't. She had a hard heart towards God. And some people say, well, man, how do people go to hell? You know, how do people go to hell? People, these are people go to hell. You know, no, people don't go to hell because of sin. If that's the case, we all would be in hell right now. People die and go to hell because they reject God's offer and provision for their sins. That's why they end up in hell. He became the propitiation for our sins. He was the only sacrifice that could appease the wrath of God Almighty. It was Jesus Christ. People die and go to hell because they reject God's offer for sin. And God's hand is not short that he can't save. He's mighty to save. With love and kindness have I drawn thee. God loves us. He loved Jezebel. Jezebel had a time, a time in her life and a chance to come to the Lord. And people read this and they say, oh, man, this is horrible how she died. No, no, no. She wanted everything the way she wanted it. She lived the way she wanted to live. She may have been beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you know, it was going to be a lot of Hollywood stars wish they would have known Jesus Christ. Be a lot of people that have everything in this world and they would have wished they would have known Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? You can have everything and don't know Jesus Christ and perish and die in your sins. She died in her sins. You think that Ahab got killed. You heard about your son. She should have been, look, Jehu, look, I need to repent. Believe in all these years, serving their own God. You know how people live year after year and they serve their own God. And they never change. And you try to go tell them about Jesus and they look at you. You know what they tell you? That's good for you. That is good for you. That is good for you. What you say, no, no, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish like Jezebel. They won't perish, but they have everlasting life. God sent his son in the world not to condemn the world, but that through his son the world might be saved. Look, look. Man loves darkness rather than light. Man be, he's agape darkness, but God says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I can take you out of darkness. God demonstrated his love towards us while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus said, I came for those who were sick, not those who didn't need a physician, but those who needed a physician. And as people, they reject God's offer over and over and over again. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the way there leads to destruction. There is a way that seems right to a person. And over and over again, you could be right in their face every day and say, look, God has a plan for you. And you know what happens? You read 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, it says the God of this age is blinded, not their eyes, their minds. 
And they believe the lie. They're given over to the lie. They believe that life could just be, oh, life is like a ball of chocolates. I can do whatever I want to do. And at the end of my life, the good is going to outweigh the bad. Well, let me tell you something, brother or sister, if you think the good is going to outweigh the bad. There is none good, no, not one. That's why we come to a good God to save us. That's why. And there's so many people today, they think like, oh, man, I have time. There is time. You look, I know I have time. You don't have time because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Today is the acceptable time to give your life to Christ. This woman perished in her sins. And God was long-suffering towards Jezebel. Years that went by. And there's a lot of Jezebels and Johnny Bells or whatever else you want to call them. Out here saying, oh, get out of here. No, I'm Muslim or I'm this religion or I'm that religion. Oh, that's good for you. I, I have my own way. I'm Mormon. <laughs> I'm a Mormon. Don't you see I got a tie on? I believe the same thing you believe on. Leaving. No, you don't. I'm a Jehovah Witness. Don't you tell me about us. 144,000. I might be one of them here. No, you know what you're talking about. They really bother me sometimes. 144,000, that's all going to get into heaven? Well, what do you do with the two prophets in um, Revelation chapter 11? And what do you do with um, Genesis chapter 5 when Enoch was found not and was taken away? That's three more people. So that's 144,000 plus three. You got a problem. They don't know God. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. They don't know God. They would die in their sins. Jesus says, if you don't think I'm the one who God sent in John chapter 8, verse 34, you would die in your sins. You would die in your sins. You would perish. And that's a sad place to be. And it says, on the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. Notice verse 37. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuge. This is dung. On the surface of the field, in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, here lies Jezebel. No, she don't lie anywhere. The wicked dies suddenly. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 18, whoever walks blamelessly will be saved. But he who is perverse in his way, ways will suddenly fall will suddenly fall. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. They will be cut off. Their light will be snuffed out. Jezebel did not know that day that she was going to be executed. And the eunuchs, they said, let's push her out. Oh, wicked woman. Could you imagine mentioning... 19 times in the Old Testament, Jezebel. 13 times in 1 Kings, 6 times in 2 Kings, and then, you know, she's mentioned once in the New Testament in the, in, in the revelation of Christ, but there's never nothing good written about her. Would I ever want my name written in the Bible and nothing good about me written about me? There's nothing written good about Jezebel. Nothing. She was an evil woman. And God says, I have no pleasure that the wicked should perish, but that they would turn. Do you realize that? 
When a person step out of this side into eternity and don't know the Lord, I think it breaks his heart. I think it breaks his heart. And I know it breaks his heart because he would never put in the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter 2, God who desires it all come to the saving knowledge of the truth. That is his desire. That is his will. And that don't happen to a person that don't know the Lord, that die and be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. I think it breaks his heart. Wouldn't it break your heart if you created something and it didn't want nothing to do with you? If you had a kid and it didn't want nothing to do with you, that would break your heart. Wouldn't that break your heart? It breaks the father's heart. It breaks the father's heart when people don't come to the Lord and they die in his sins. It breaks the father's heart. Stand up as we pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us, Lord, your grace, kind hand upon our lives. You know us, Lord. You know us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we recognize, Lord, that we should trust in you, Lord, and do good. And, Father, that we would be at a place in our lives where we would dwell, Lord. As you told the psalmist, in the land, feed on your faithfulness so that we can delight ourselves in the Lord and you shall give us the desires of our hearts, Lord, that we would commit our ways to you, Lord, and trust in you, Lord. And you'll bring everything in our life to pass, Lord, we know that. And you shall bring forth your righteousness in our lives, Lord, as a light and your justice as the noonday, as the psalmist wrote. And so, Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord. We pray for our unsaved family members and friends that don't know Jesus Christ. We pray that you would save them, Lord. We pray that we don't beat them over the head with the Bible and be a pest or be a headache, but that we be on our knees praying, Lord, and we would be intercessors, and we'll be crying out to the Lord to save our siblings, save our uh, children, our co-workers, those around us. Save them, Lord. And that we do it in such a way, Lord, that our hearts are broken. And so, Father, Lord, you know how to move by your spirit, Lord. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, we know you hear our cry. We know you hear our prayer. Lord, you can draw our loved ones back to you, Lord. And the things that are impossible to men are possible with you. And we believe in an impossible God. As a father, please save, Lord. Please help us. Let us be a light to those we love. Put us in a place, Lord. We would be so ready to cry out on the behalf of others. Father, make their life so miserable that they come back fallen saying, what must I do to be saved? So we love you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you in advance for all the backsliders that's going to come back here, all the people that we thought that would never be in, Lord, that they didn't come running in here to this church. We won't have room enough for them. Praise the Lord. So, Lord, bless these people here who study with us every Wednesday night, Lord. What a blessing to see so many people at a Bible study on a Wednesday night. What a blessing. So, Lord, thank you for the people here that love you, Lord Jesus.
We honor you. We praise you. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray. Let all God's people say amen.